Well, good morning. <clears throat> My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here at Terra. And today we are going to be uh, beginning a new series for the summer in the book of Proverbs. So if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Proverbs. If you forgot your Bible, we're happy to uh, loan you one. And if you don't own a Bible, we're happy to give you one. Just raise your hand and someone will bring one to you and keep it up long enough for them to see it. Uh, We know that throughout the summer, you will likely miss a week or two uh, due to a, a vacation or a family reunion or a wedding of some sort. And, uh, and so you'll probably be away for a couple of weeks during the summer, and uh, that's good. It's good to get breaks. It's good to hit the refresh button. I'm all for that. So what we try to do here at Terra in the summer is we try to slow the schedule down just a little bit, and we even try to choose sermon series that are not tied to a progression of thought uh, that you need to follow uh, over multiple weeks, but rather a collection of, uh, of sermons that can be listened to sort of out of order or in order, whatever kind of ends up happening, uh, and still follow along with it just fine. And so I'd encourage you to do that throughout the summer. If you miss a week or two while traveling to, uh, to load up the iPod before your return trip and, and, and come along uh, side of uh, your brothers and sisters here at Terra who might have been um, looking at some other aspects of Proverbs while you were away and kind of get caught up in that way. And, and it doesn't really matter if you're in order or not for this series. So that's a good thing. Uh, And you can always find the past sermons on iTunes as well as our website. And uh, very soon we hope to have a video podcast up and running. So that's in the works and coming soon. All right, well, let's pray, and then we will get into uh, this new series in Proverbs. Father God, thank you for a chance to uh, open up your word. God, thank you that your word never comes back to us uh, void or or not worth our time to study. Uh, God, you, you just continually challenge us and speak to us in your words. And, and we thank you so much that you've, you've given us uh, these, these scriptures to study and to, to train our mind on, to train our heart on, to train our soul on. And God, I pray that uh, today and throughout this series that we would just truly be open to what, uh, what you have to say to us through the, the simple and, and basic wisdom of the book of Proverbs. God, we thank you that you've given us uh, these words. Um, we thank you that you've given us uh, brains to comprehend them. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we do this, that um, at the end of this series, uh, we would be uh, better Christ followers because of the wisdom that we've gained through Proverbs, and that we would be um, a stronger church because of the wisdom that we've gained in Proverbs. And I pray that we would do all these things to your honor and to your glory. Amen. Well, there are really uh, two ways to approach Proverbs from a teaching standpoint when you only have about eight weeks to do it. Uh, You can focus on the first nine chapters of the book, which really is uh, a call to follow wisdom, to pursue wisdom. Or you can focus on the Proverbs themselves, uh, which which actually don't get started until about chapter 10. Um, The whole focus and tone of the book changes in chapter 10. And so for most of this series, we'll be looking at chapters 10 to 31. And rather than going verse by verse, which works really well in, say, a a gospel account in the New Testament or a letter in the New Testament or um, uh, a historical book in the Old Testament, it works really well to go verse by verse through those kinds of books. Instead of treating the book of Proverbs in that way, what we'll do is we're going to trace different aspects of wisdom throughout the book. And so we'll look at things like humility, and we'll trace that idea through the book. 
We'll look at all the verses that deal with humility. Or we'll look at the tongue, our words, and we'll see what collectively we can learn from the book of Proverbs about our speech. Also, family, emotions, friendship, money, uh, work ethic, or, or what it means to be a, a sluggard. We'll trace each of these themes through the book and, and really mine the pages of Proverbs for practical wisdom on these issues. Except for today, uh, where we will do sort of a general intro to the book, trying to answer the question, why pursue wisdom? And in that, we'll focus in specifically on chapter 1. I think what you are going to find as uh, we go through this series is that Proverbs is a deeply practical book. I think what you'll find is that uh, it picks up where other parts of the Bible leave off. Let me explain what I mean. The Bible has some hard and fast rules uh, of conduct for those who are God followers, Christ followers. Uh, Certainly the Old Testament is clear with a list like the Ten Commandments, right? You couldn't get any more clear than that. And even though we we live under grace, there are still uh, lots of clear statements throughout the New Testament for what Christ followers' lives should look like. But there is a difference between a rule and a principle, right? So if I tell my kids uh, to go clean up the toys in their room, I've given them a clear directive. Actually, it's normally my wife that tells them that, to be honest. But um, let's just say that I was having some sort of strange mood and thought to tell my kids to go clean up their room. So if I go tell them to clean up the toys in their room, uh, because it is covered with uh, American Girl doll clothing on one side and uh, various Cars-related toys on the other side, um, if I just said, go and clean up the Cars and the doll stuff, because I I can't see your floor, um, that would be a a very clear directive. But if I instead said, kind of more generally, go tidy up your room, well, that might include the toys on the floor, uh, the clothing strewn about their beds, Uh, the stacks of books on their nightstands, um, just all of the the junk that kids seem to accumulate, and you're not even sure where it comes from. So that would be a more general principle, right? It it, kind of fills in some of the gaps. Rules are good. We need them, but we also need some general principles, wisdom to help us figure out how God desires us to live when the rules have those gaps. Uh, My wife and I have this conversation all the time with couples that we're doing uh, premarital counseling with, um, we'll ask them how they're doing in, in maintaining purity. And we know that the Bible clearly says that sex outside of marriage goes against God's intentions. It is sin. Uh, that's the rule. We don't have to debate that. We don't have to double-check the translation from Greek into English and make sure it really meant that. It, it just is what it is. Uh, and, and we can have a very technical definition of sex that is almost clinically obvious, But at some point, biblical wisdom, biblical principles have to kick in and take over to help the unmarried couples realize what is and is not permissible before marriage. So there's there's that technical definition of sex, the the rule, and then there are the principles of purity or or treating your body as the temple of God, principles of, of body knowledge, having knowledge and familiarity with the other person's body that really should be reserved for after the marriage ceremony. General biblical wisdom is critical as we navigate a complex world full of complex relationships and responsibilities. And so we have several books in the Bible specifically dedicated to pursuing wisdom. We call it the wisdom literature. 
Proverbs is perhaps the most obvious of them all. And what I find most encouraging about the book of Proverbs is that it so clearly demonstrates God moving towards us and in encouraging us with uh, really basic wisdom. Uh, chapter 1, verse 20 says that wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. It's here for us to gain access to. It's not hidden. In most cases, you don't need to do 100 hours of study to figure out the meaning of the Proverbs. Certainly, there are benefits to doing extended study in the book. We always want to encourage that anywhere in Scripture. Uh, and, And certainly, there are a few Proverbs throughout the book that are a little confusing when you try to bring them into our culture. But by and large, this is a book that is, is quickly accessible. It's God moving to us towards us in a, a quickly accessible way. You can, you can read most of the Proverbs and say, okay, that makes sense. That's a good word. I need to be mindful of that. And you can start to put it into motion right away. We are able to read a a short statement about how to deal with finances, for example, and then jump right into serious reflection on how how we are doing in that area right now. We're able to hear a word of wisdom from Proverbs about how our speech affects others, and we can immediately begin to reflect on our own relationships and how we're doing in that particular area of wisdom. (coughs) And that's where the time comes in. It's in reflection. It's in application. We are weak people trying to pursue God in a world that thinks that that very pursuit is antiquated and obsolete, a waste of time. And Proverbs makes that pursuit a little bit easier or or perhaps at least a little bit clearer through that practical instruction that can often be implemented immediately. And this is why the writers of the New Testament turn to the book of Proverbs again and again. The book of Hebrews refers to Proverbs when talking about suffering. Uh, James goes into Proverbs to address pride. Peter takes us there to deal with dissension. Paul relies on Proverbs to talk about humility. Jesus will go there during certain parables in order to make a point. Proverbs is a faithful book to rely on again and again and again. And it's interesting that Solomon didn't just jump right into the Proverbs themselves, but he took time to convince us for many chapters that wisdom really is worth pursuing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 will tell us that Jesus Christ is wisdom personified as a gift from God. And so in a very real sense, when we delve deep into the book of Proverbs, we are engaging with Jesus himself. And that's why a study of such wisdom is so critical. Proverbs 13, 14 will push us to recognize that the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Please don't make the mistake of viewing the wisdom of Proverbs like like an exercise routine to improve your health. It's nice, but but not required. Biblical wisdom is is not just a nice add-on to our lives, not an app that we download. It's a matter of life and death. And we'll see this borne out as we dig into this book. Additionally, the principles of Proverbs will bring balance and a sound mind. I like how one pastor said this. Uh, Ray Ortland is a pastor with the X29 Network in Nashville, and he's just a a 
brilliant man and, and very humble, and I love everything he writes. Uh, here's what he said. He said, if we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. If we have courage but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. So as we dig into this book throughout the summer, don't treat it merely as a a series of Twitter and Facebook-friendly quick quotes that could just as easily stand alongside any other body of wisdom or foolishness from any other religion or New York Times bestseller list. Address Proverbs as it should be addressed. That is, the very words of God meant to set us on a path towards greater godliness and Christ-likeness that through the Spirit's empowerment in our lives will point others towards the cross of Christ and an eternity in heaven. Biblical wisdom is that important. This is a benefit to you in your daily life, but there's also that benefit to your role in the mission of God. Now, most books in the Bible will start with an introduction of sorts telling us why the following pages are important, why they're there, and what we're supposed to get out of the book. And Proverbs is no exception. So let's spend a few minutes in Solomon's introduction to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Take a look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Let's read this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Solomon is going to start off here by telling us what his goals are for us, the readers of this book. And if we make this wisdom a priority, what should the outcome be? Verse 2 tells us that the goal is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And then the next four verses after that, we'll expand on it more. Another word for instruction is discipline. Uh, Not too many of us enjoy discipline, really. Adults don't like it any more than children, and yet we need it just as much. And it is in that instruction, that discipline, that we grow in wisdom. I mean, you don't have to stick your, your hand in a fire too many times before you realize, that's hot. I don't like the way that feels. I don't think I'll do that again. This is basic, and yet the unfortunate reality is that some of the best lessons that we learn, some of the best lessons in wisdom, are born out of pain. The teachable person pays attention to the lessons learned and grows in wisdom. The fool thinks that he or she knows better. And so over time, we grow in our wisdom. We respond to instruction and discipline with a humble and teachable spirit, and hopefully we 
grow in our ability to listen to the words of insight from Scripture and other wise and godly people in our community applying that Scripture. And then we get to verse 3. As Solomon unpacks his goals for us a little more, the goal focused here, um, we're going to focus here on the learner. It says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Keyword, receive. You ever had a friend ask you for your opinion about something? It could be totally inconsequential, or perhaps as serious a question as, you know, what areas in my life do you think I need to improve in, become more godly in? That good question to ask of, of good, godly people that you trust. And maybe you pause and you give a, a measured, conscientious answer to their question. But, but as you're saying it, the body language that you see tells you that the person is pretty clearly disagreeing with you and, and just sort of rejecting what you're saying. Maybe you've been on the other side. Maybe you've been disagreeing with a piece of wisdom offered to you in, in kindness. You know that it's happening because you'll hear something, whether you're saying it or you're hearing somebody else saying it. You'll hear something like, I really appreciate your opinion on this matter. Thanks so much for having the guts to say what you mean. Now go jump in a lake. I don't really want to listen to you. Um, perhaps you've been that person. Quite honestly, there are times when, when we're preaching here and, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'll see the look on someone's face and it just so clearly demonstrates an active rejection of the biblical truth being taught. <clears throat> and, and on the worst occasions, you might even see somebody kind of loudly gather up their bag and keys and kind of stamp out. It doesn't happen too often. It happens every now and then. And it's so sad in those moments because uh, what you're seeing is somebody literally rejecting the truth of God before you. And the Bible seems pretty clear that that doesn't end well. Every time I see that, I, I just pray that what we're actually witnessing is the birth pains of new life in Christ. Because oftentimes, just before surrender, there's a fight. Verse 3 paints a different picture with the, with the phrase to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. That's part of the goal of Proverbs. Has somebody ever rebuked you for something and, and you knew that they were doing it out of love and you heard it? And maybe you just said, you know what? You're right. I needed to hear that. I receive that. I receive that. Humility. That'll be the focus of next Sunday's study in Proverbs. Openness. Willing to hear. Willing to receive instruction. The fool refuses instruction. The fool refuses correction. The fool refuses discipline. The wise person knows when to sit and to quietly receive the wounds of a godly friend who has your best interests at heart, who genuinely wants to see you grow in righteousness and justice and equity. And the book of Proverbs is full of instruction that we need to be willing to receive and apply to our lives. So then in verse 4, Solomon flips things around to the perspective of the teacher. And he continues talking about the goals of Proverbs. In addition to helping us know and receive wisdom and instruction, verse 4 tells us that Proverbs is also there to give 
prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let's break this down. If you call someone simple, you may be insulting them, but um, you generally mean that, that they have not been blessed with great intelligence. He or she is perhaps known for not making good decisions. But if you talk about someone being prudent in their decision-making, what comes to mind is, is a person who thinks long and hard about the options and uh, looks at the angles and thinks four steps ahead or consults those who know more than them. It would be wrong to think that the simple person is doomed to a life of bad decisions. In the spirit of working on our weaknesses, a simple person can grow in wisdom and in prudence through a study of Proverbs. Proverbs can bring prudence to the simple. And aren't we all a little bit simple in in different ways? I mean, we might have our areas of strength, but let's be honest. We've all got some areas where we're pretty darn stupid. And we need the wisdom of others and the wisdom of God's word and the wisdom of others showing us God's word to become uh, more and more wise. And in the very same sense, Solomon then addresses the youth who are chronologically simple He wants the youth to be given knowledge and discretion via the Proverbs. When I was a a senior in high school, I asked uh, the youth pastor at our church to fill out a college recommendation for me. One of the questions that the form asked for was um, areas that the the person thought could use some improvement in the applicant's life. Here is what the youth pastor wrote. He said, Phil is brutally honest in everything he does. My hope is that over time, He'll retain the honesty, but get rid of the brutality. I think that was about right. I had to receive that. Um, I lacked discretion. I still do at times. Um, and, uh, you know, each time you stick your foot in your mouth, you, uh, you learn discretion the hard way. Uh, like the time I asked uh, a woman when she was due, and she wasn't. I only made that mistake once. Thankfully, it happened before I became a pastor. Uh, Solomon, Solomon desires that youth gain instruction or gain discretion and also desires that youth would gain knowledge. There's no shortcut to, to gaining knowledge, is there? Uh, I wish we could just download it as easily as we download a book onto a Kindle or music onto an iPod, but, but that's not how it works. Knowledge just takes time. It just takes time. We are a a young church by and large. I was trying to think this week if there's anybody at Terra Nova that is retired. I couldn't come up with one person. We're we're, we're a young church by and large. We desperately need to sit at the feet of those wiser than us and listen to their decades of learning from Scripture. We need to follow in the footsteps of those who have been following Jesus for 30, 40, and 50 years. A continual prayer for me is that God would bring more and more men and women who are clearly not youth to Terra Nova. We need that wisdom that only comes through trial and error and time in God's word. Now, for those who think that they are wise enough and old enough to escape verses 3 and 4, Solomon turns to you in verses 5 and 6 when he says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and let the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. 
<clears throat> in other words, don't stop growing. Don't stop learning. Don't reach a point where you just sort of say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. I'm just going to coast for a while. I love meeting an older saint who is still excited about what God is teaching him or her. Still letting scripture soak into their souls. Still mesmerized with the gospel of Christ. Still wondering what parts of their flesh need to be put to death long into their final years. That's the way it should be. On the other hand, I think one of the saddest things for me is when I meet an older follower of Christ who has just obviously gone into retirement mode spiritually. I've done my duty, served my time. Now I get to just sit back and and be served until the day I die. When that happens, uh, it seems to almost induce a a, a Benjamin Button-like reversal of knowledge and wisdom and discretion. How sad to get to a place in life when you finally have so much to offer and yet you decide to cash in your chips and start the, cl- the calcification process, start the, the stagnation process to just slowly slide into death. Let's not do that here, okay? Let's not do that. Take a break if you need a break, but don't give up. Don't stop growing. Don't stop pushing into Christ. Let's not ever reach a, a point on this side of eternity when we feel like, like we're done. And Jesus is too important for that. The church was never meant to be a retirement home. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance, continue to obtain guidance. And then we come to verse 7. Most writers and theologians agree that verse 7 is, is really kind of the, the crux of the whole book. If you had to summarize the entire book of Proverbs in one sentence, this is it right here in verse 7. Let's read it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, this is Hebrew poetry, and we're supposed to see a connection between fear and despise. We're supposed to see a connection between those words. Despise is an obvious enough word. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty harsh when you say you despise something. It's more than just a, a casual or a, a general aversion to something. It's pretty active. It takes work to really despise something or someone. If you despise wisdom and instruction or discipline, you have pretty clearly stated that you are above it, that you don't need it, that you're just fine, just as you are. The fool is that person, in summary, a person who cannot or will not grow in God's knowledge and wisdom. They despise it. But what about fear? This is a word that often causes confusion when we see it in Scripture. If you're afraid of, of heights, then you, you avoid planes and roller coasters and standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. 
just you have that fear, you avoid those things. If you're afraid of getting another ticket, speeding ticket, because you might lose your license, you might freak out when you see a cop. But a fear of the Lord is totally different when we use that word fear. It means that you, you recognize God's greatness in light of our smallness. It means that you want to do his will, not because you have to, but because you get to. When you fear the Lord, you see his truth as supremely greater than, than your idea of truth. A healthy fear of the Lord produces surrender, and love, and reverence, and ultimately maturity. And so when Solomon says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, he's saying that without that healthy understanding of who we are in relation to God, we have no hope of gaining knowledge and we will continue as fools despising wisdom and instruction. Isn't that the basic problem of our day? Humans deciding, declaring even that he or she is the sole determiner of what is right and wrong. Decider of what is permissible and not permissible. Created finite beings placing themselves in the role of the ultimate judge of truth. What arrogance we are capable of. What arrogance. In contrast, we look at Jesus, the very picture of humility, who in submission to the Father took up the cross for us in holy and healthy fear and became wisdom personified. And that's really where we need to place our focus as followers of Christ. And so as, as we close this introduction to the book of Proverbs, I want to take us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the word of the cross is, those who are per- is to those who are perishing folly. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God, Through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. 
Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I pray that as we get into this study in the book of Proverbs, that we would just embrace these words with just a deeply open heart. That we would not be that definition of the fool who says, no, I don't need this. I'm fine. I'm doing great. Let's not be those people as we delve into the book of Proverbs. Let's let the book of Proverbs rub our souls down a little bit to the place where we can truly see and hear the wisdom of God. Let's be open to change. Let's be open to becoming more Christ-like as we delve into this book. Let's close. Father God, thank you for putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, so to speak, with the book of Proverbs. God, I pray that we would um, honor this basic wisdom I pray that your spirit would work on our souls this summer. God, we pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.